Accidental Hope listeners, wanted to let you know that we have launched a Patreon. If you're interested in giving from a joyful heart, please follow Patreon forward slash Accidental Hope, and I would love your support. If this blesses you today, would you mind liking, sharing, following, subscribing, tell a friend, or even leaving a review? Thanks so much. Welcome to Accidental Hope Podcast, a community that seeks hope and healing from a faith perspective. My name is Jennifer, and I'm not an expert, but I do share life experiences because I believe it will help someone else. So get ready to open your heart, laugh, cry, and receive. Let's get started. When I got to the point where I climbed in the canoe, instead of saying someone climbed in, for the first time in seven and a half years, I said it, I climbed and stood up. And then I told the rest of the story. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, Dwayne, it sounds to me like you feel guilty for what you did. I said, absolutely. And that was the first time I'd ever admitted to myself, allowed myself to, to even think that, because I had tried to block it out. It was Stuff it down. Stuff it down. Stuff. And, um, I said, I sure do. And he says, you're a seminary student. You know the Bible. What should you do with your guilt? I says, I quoted First John 1, 9. You know, mm. if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he says, you're right. Do you want to do that? And I said, absolutely. Mm. And so at that point, uh, the guys gathered around me. Um, some stood behind me. Others did fold their desk up and they they. And I started praying and just confessing it. And they were praying along with me. And it was as if I had, I had this truckload of guilt, all these pebbles. Mm-hmm. And as I confessed this to the Lord, it was like he just reached over and grabbed the, the handle to the tailgate of my heart. And the whole truckload of guilt just dumped out at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, I, I felt like an unbelievable burden. It was just lifted. I felt light as he just took it took the guilt away and it was amazing there's uh, the, the transformation that happened right then and the healing that started because at that point i felt i needed to talk to my aunt and uncle hmm. i needed to start being truthful to other people and so i i needed and i did those things and each time it was just how it, freeing yeah finally that that wound was allowed to heal wow Oh, that's so important because we know in our logic mind, if you have that worldview of a faith perspective, you know that, oh, I can tell everybody else that Jesus loves them, that you are forgiven when you ask, but when you put yourself in that place, some way, sometimes we're like, whoa, we try to put the if or but in there. That's just amazing. I love that analogy of those pebbles because that weight, I sometimes tell people, I feel like it's a boulder. And when I share it, I feel like I'm handing that boulder over for a minute so that they could be like, whoa, what do I do with this story? And then I take my boulder back and mm-hmm. I keep continue to carry my boulder. But that's exactly what Jesus wants you to do is to, to hand those pebbles over and put it down and not put, put them back up. You know, and, and what's, what is so neat though, I got to continue the story and, and this is, is not in the book. So this is, you know, extra. Yay. Okay. I discovered, um, at, after writing the book and, uh, and doing that, going through that whole process was such a continued healing for me. 
but uh, it's one of those things you ever read the Bible and have all of a sudden realize something that you've, you know, you've read the words before, but for the first time in your life, it made sense. Oh, all the time. Yes. Or it's well, like a fresh perspective. Well, Peter was the one that really spoke, his, you know, his example and how he denied the Lord three times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I can only imagine the guilt and the shame he had. And then how the, on the morning of resurrection, when the angel told the women at the tomb, you know, go and tell his disciples and Peter, you know, he was singling out Peter, make sure Peter knows mm-hmm. that Jesus is alive because, and Jesus wants to see him because he's been forgiven. Jesus paid the penalty for Peter's sin. Mm. But then it goes on. This is the part I discovered later was that in John 21, we have the, the account of when Jesus appeared to the disciples at the side of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. And it's said there that they were out fishing all night. And, they, and then as they're coming in, they had not caught anything. And Jesus standing on shore and it tells a story about how Jesus called out, hey, if you caught anything, try casting your nest on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they caught this huge, unbelievable catch. It was a catch of a lifetime. It came, they came to shore. You know, at that point, John said to Peter, I think it's Jesus. Well, Peter at that point let go of the net, jumped in and swam to shore. Uh-huh. He wanted to be with Jesus, forget the fish. He got there and it said that he had a charcoal fire going. And this is what really spoke to me was, and as I checked back in John 18, at the, when Jesus was being tried and, and Peter was denying the Lord, and John's the only one that points this out, that Peter was standing next to a charcoal fire when he denied the Lord those three times. Hmm. And psychologists tell us that the scent of smell is one of the biggest triggers of memory that there is. So can you imagine what happened every time that Peter would smell a charcoal fire, which in the, in the cities were one of the primary sources of cooking and heating in those days? he would just be reminded of his failure over and over. Yes. And And that guilt. Yeah. And, but here Jesus was offering Peter a chance to have his memory redeemed. And so when they came to shore and they had breakfast and then Jesus turned to Peter and three times asked Peter, do you love me? Mm. But he says, do you love me more than these? You know, and these were the, uh, represent livelihood, his fishing boat. Mm-hmm. It also a lot, uh, represented financial security and success with that catch of fish that they had. And also his family and friends were, were there in the boat with him. So Jesus was asked, do you love me more than your livelihood, financial success, or your loved ones? He said yes. And he said Yes. And And it canceled. Yes. It's like it canceled each of those. And so, and then when he, you know, those three times, so now Peter, when he smelled that charcoal fire, would not be reminded of the three times that he denied the Lord, but the three times that he had confirmed the fact that he loved Jesus more Mm. than anything. That's so great. And, And Jesus redeemed Peter's memory. And I can say that's what he's done for me. Mm. Do I regret what I did? Absolutely. Uh, Do I feel responsible for what I did? Yes. 
is there still a scar? Yes, there is. You know, the wound, the, the scar is there, but the scar reminds me of the faithfulness of God, of Christ, of how he, he loved me and he met me, pulled me up out of that slimy pit and set my feet on a solid rock. Uh, and that coach mama voice, that wonderful that you can't really put words to it, but you knew the voice of your savior. Yeah. You knew it when you heard it. Yeah. And that's the thing is that people talk about, you know, I've had people say, well, how do I know it was God speaking to me? What's his voice sound like? It's not an audible voice. It's kind of being like you're surrounded in his voice. Mm-hmm. And you, you know exactly what he's saying. Right. Or even that piece when you looked yeah. over the lake and you just knew that you, that's that peace that surpasses all understanding. That's mm-hmm. that. It's like you can't, it's tangible, but you can't really always describe it, but you can sure feel it when it's mm-hmm. happening. And then that was the encouragement to kind of have you hold on just enough, you know, to fight that depression till you were, you know, I think God's timing is perfect. You know, I've seen this a couple of times when, especially young men, and I have only seen this maybe a handful of times, but the young men seem to stuff down those feelings till they're a little bit more mature when it's God's timing then they eventually are going to come but but then you'll be ready to receive God's grace it has to happen in those layers and layers and layers that is just I want to go study that right now (laughs) I want to go see it for myself because like you said you know I think there's sometimes you can read different but because the word of God is so alive that and it's it's gonna, it's gonna jump out at you. I tell people when they don't know what to pray or what to read, just skim, just mm-hmm. skim and flip, and the Holy Spirit's gonna do the work. It'll fixate your eyes on a word or a verse or, or a person to study or to hold on to, and then, and then, um, and then you'll just know. You'll just know what yep. you're supposed to read. Oh, that's great. So you, you talked with your aunt and uncle and you you had let go of this burden and when you talked to them you had that courage and boldness to talk to them Um, how how was that was that just a a catalyst to continue that healing was the lord said this is your next step is it just you kind of knew that was the next step for you well the very first person i told this story to was my uncle because when he had gotten word about Chuck, about the accident. And what he'd been told was that, is that Chuck was missing in the wilderness and presumed drowned. But he and their pastor, and it, I go into greater detail in the book, but had gone up to Algonquin, up to Canada, and they were there at the dockside, you know, on the water side, when the bodies were brought in. And, but before, before he'd gone into the park, I didn't know he was coming. And the next morning, once we were rescued and we spent that night in Huntsville, this town nearby, he met us at the hotel where we had stayed and then given us, gave my brother and I a ride over to the restaurant where the rest of the group was going. And the, and during that time, before we went in a restaurant, he asked me uh, what happened. So Vernon and I told the whole story. And at that point I did say, that I had climbed in the canoe and stood up. I had forgotten that, mm. that he knew mm-hmm. right away. 
but it was years later. This was, uh, I was at my first church after seminary. My aunt and uncle, through as a result of Chuck's death, uh, their lives were just turned upside down and transformed. They became missionaries of Woodcliffe, Bible translators. Um, and they were translation center managers is what they were. They were not actually doing the translation, but they were involved full-time missions. And they were home on furlough and were at the church where um, I was serving at the time. They were speaking, I speak there, but they were staying with us. And so, and the Lord, I knew they're coming and I knew I had to talk to them. And so we, soon after they arrived, we sat down and I told them everything and how sorry. And at that point, they just looked at us and said, Dwayne, we, we've known all along hmm. because you told us. They said, but also we are so happy to hear what the Lord has done for you, how he's forgiven you and how you're cleansed. And yes, we do not hold any, any ill will. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. There is, there's nothing. That's you know? just a miracle. That is a miracle. Yeah. So. When you... And I say that only because it denies our flesh. Mm -hmm. It has to be Christ working through them because any normal person, you couldn't understand that. Well, you were involved in that. That's probably the worst pain that you can describe is losing a child. But, but for them to do that and to free you again, that was probably just another layer of freedom coming off of you. When I shared that, they were in tears, but not because of their loss. But when they heard the struggle that I had, mm. they, said they had no idea that I was struggling like that and that they were, they were apologizing to me. And mm. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you, you, but, but they were just heartbroken over that. Just the way they embraced me and just encouraged me. It was, it was such a wonderful experience. Oh, what a great gift. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, I recently um, experienced something similar, finding out that the people who I was involved in had forgiven me, and the words weren't for me. It really was. It was a beautiful moment where I was weeping. It felt good to know. I knew that God had forgiven me. I had understood to forgive myself, which was much longer process, much more difficult. It was easier for me to believe God forgave me than for me to forgive myself. Right. But to hear that they had experienced that freedom, to, that they weren't holding on to bitterness towards me was just, it's indescribable. It's the most precious words ever that I've ever received. It really was. That's just, I'm so glad that you had that moment and for you to, I want to tell you the realization I had when I received my message, it was like the Lord told me that maybe I was listening to the wrong voice because I had just in my mind had thought that this would never come, even though I was praying for it and that I had built up all these things and thoughts that they were thinking about me. But really that might've been a yoke of the enemy mm -hmm. that when I finally heard that message and received it it's like I and I just recently I just wept for probably a good solid hour <laughs> feeling that freedom but 
it was already given to me long ago. I just didn't know it. And I was carrying around a burden that wasn't mine, just like you for years until you had that conversation. They had no idea that you were struggling with that like you were. Yeah. It's about, you know, finding your voice and using that manuscript. Was that another layer of your healing? How important is it to share your story and your voice? It is special. For me, a very healing time because now I'm starting to see a harvest that the Lord is bringing about, not because of what I've done, but because what he's done, how he took something so terrible and made it something beautiful. The lives that have been transformed, the, the people that have been impacted. And it's just, I'm amazed with the platforms now that he is giving me mm-hmm. to, uh, to share this. This podcast is, is one of them. To be able to, to share it with, to be able to, to, on two different occasions, I was asked to an article to Our Daily Bread, which the Discovery House Publishers is who published my book, but they're part of Our Daily Bread Ministries. Mm. And to think that that's the largest Christian periodical in the world. Mm. And yet, I, you know, I was able to share my testimony of God's grace and his forgiveness to people that are yeah i mean it's just i i'm in awe of it i'm just me i'm not some great motivational preacher or whatever mm-hmm. and to hear people their testimonies of how their lives have been impacted a classmate of mine from high school i remember hearing uh she wrote me soon after the book came out she got the book and she she had had gone through some tragedy and had drifted from the Lord. And after reading the book, she spent some time with the Lord, got right with him. She's walking with the Lord today. Oh, amen. Amen. Just your testimony of how survivors impacted your life and just others like that. It's just, I'm in awe of how God takes brokenness and Mm -hmm. makes something beautiful out of it. Oh, And you encourage me. See, when I found your book, that was more like six months ago, I say, probably about that, right? Um, Because I reached out to you when I realized that you were a caddy. You were like me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And seeing how here you are 49 years out from the accident, I think, okay, if Dwayne can do it. I can do it. I can still face the waves of life mm-hmm. because we have this tragedy that seems like it's the end all. Like how could we ever experience anything harder? I, for me, I do. I feel like this is my, this, I can't imagine anything more painful, but as life has continued, I see waves of life where it tosses you about a little bit, beats you up a little bit. Your canoe might spin a little bit, but you're going to find solid ground and you're going to be okay. And that's really what I feel. I came out of reading that book and I, and I cried with you and then I rejoiced with you too. And I was like, yes, this is, this is purpose from pain. And, and it does, it inspires other people. And I think that's why we're supposed to share our story. We can't keep it like it's all perfect. If I kept all of the pain that I've experienced in or don't share what God has done through me or with me or walked with me, even the good, the bad, the ugly, I feel like 
often the pain was in vain. That's all we have for today. I hope that you have enjoyed part two of my interview with Dwayne Miller. I believe that there's so much hope in his message of accepting forgiveness and walking in that and what God was going to do in his life and not letting that tragedy of when he was 17 determine his future or block him from his calling. I pray that you would seek hope today because there is fresh hope every day. Be a hope seeker and then share it. Share it with someone else because something that you have inside of you, someone else needs to hear to hear the conclusion of this interview. Thanks for listening to Accidental Hope. Remember to seek hope and share it. Come back next week. Bye. Happy Music Number 7 brought to you by scottholmesmusic.com Thanks for listening to Accidental Hope. Remember to seek hope and share it. Come back next week. Bye! Happy Music Number 7 brought to you by scottholmesmusic.com Thanks for listening to Accidental Hope. Remember to seek hope and share it. Come back next week. Bye. Happy Music Number 7 brought to you by scottholmesmusic.com.